0: Talkzone.com.
1: Now, talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cone and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com.
0: And welcome into Two Guys and a Mic after a Bears victory. Wow. Who would have thought a Bears victory? That puts me in a good mood this morning. JB and Seth Gruen in with you today. Coach is off, probably enjoying this lovely weather we have as we head towards New Year's. But uh, for those of you listening in the Chicago area, and I know that's many of you, you're happy today, or you probably are happy today, or maybe you're upset today because you were wondering where the hell this has been for the last eight weeks But uh we got lots to talk about today on two guys and a mic. There's a great amount of information that we can break down and discuss with this Bears game from both the Bears side and the Vikings side after a stunning Monday night football. Bears win an OT thirty-six to thirty, and there's plenty other things that we can get into. But Seth, as I as I woke up this morning, I was thinking to myself, you know, should I be really excited? that the Bears won? Should I be really happy that they beat the Vikings? Should I be thrilled that Brett Favre lost at Soldier Field? Or should I really just be wondering why we haven't seen competent football out of a team that apparently can play it since, what, I don't know, the fourth week of the season?
1: Well, I think that there's something to be said there. There's untapped potential. And and does that lie on the coaching staff? I don't know. Does... That lie on on the rest of their player development people. As my mic completely falls off the desk. You can be like a singer.
0: You know what I mean. You can just. Uh, it's like when when, I, when Coach and I do the show together, and we co- you know because when he called it two guys in a mic. The first thing I'd send him the first time we did it was, is are there going to be harmonies? You know, are we going to be like Paul and and George in the Beatles? Is it going to be like we're going to be sitting up with two. With one mic and actually being two guys on one mic. By the way, there are two mics. There's always two mics. In fact, They're there's four. four mics at this table. We just choose not to use two of them. And David Olson, our fine producer, has a mic. So it's really three guys and five mics. But two TVs county. and a clock. And two TVs and a clock. That's right. But anyway, it's like it's like that. What was that show? That two guys, a girl in a pizza place. That was a terrible idea. And Then there's two and a half minutes. Like everybody's got their own their own stick with that. But anyway, you were making a point about the Bears.
1: Yeah. I anyways, I. I Who is that on? The coaching staff, I don't know. But one thing, you can take a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good that comes out of a game like that. Two teams going in totally opposite directions actually did a role reversal. The Bears actually kind of looked like, dare I say, a playoff team. But one thing that I was very impressed with, and I have not heard anybody point out, is is Chris Williams. The left tackle, the, the supposed left tackle of the future, did not allow Jared Allen one sack. In fact, Jared Allen only had two tackles. I looked at the box score afterwards. Sorry, Coach. But you know, you I, I came into I came into this game yeah. thinking that the Bears didn't need to upgrade at six spots. Right, Lance Briggs, outside linebacker, I was Jay Cutler, say six quarterback. Sounds
0: kind of generous. Wait until you hear my
1: six. Lance okay. Briggs, Peanut Tillman at cornerback. Right. Who I think's had a great year and
0: is now decapitated. Right, continue. some
1: sort of looked like he cracked his ribs. Yeah. Jay Cutler. Yeah. Patrick Manley, Brad Maynard, and Robbie Gold. So three of the positions <laughs> yeah. that don't even matter on special teams, your kicker, your punter, and your long snapper. Right. You don't need to upgrade. Well,
0: I looked at... Uh, I might argue, though, that they may have had to fix the long snapper position after that week one stunt that Patrick Manley pulled. Yeah, but did, but you, anyway. did
1: you see the tackle he made yeah, it was on good, special teams? it was open field tackle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is a guy who is built to be an NFL long snapper, if you look at it. I mean, he cannot play any other position. First of all, he went to Duke, which is like the yeah. armpit of college football. That's true. Although they had a better year this year.
0: They did. But but you're right. And, and 888-463-6748, the phone number. 888-GO-FOR-IT. If you want to get in touch with us, you want to talk Bears and Vikings, you want to talk about anything that happened in the NFL, today is a residue Tuesday, which uh, Coach has uh, cleverly termed. So if there's anything from the weekend you want to talk about, um Urban Meyer and his complete role reversal in twenty four hours and how bizarre that story was. If you have thoughts on that, eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. But Seth here, you're right. I think I think that you look at the pos here are the positives as a Bears fan from this game. You could even look at them as negatives too, and I'll give you a reason why. But first of all, you're right. Chris Williams clearly was a positive. I thought he was going to get manhandled, destroyed Whatever you want to say in terms of what was going to happen with him against Jared Allen, he played admirably well. I think that you look at Tommy Harris last night. Had a fantastic game. Really got a ton of pressure on Brett Favre. They sacked the quarterback a few times. The defensive line looked like the defensive line Lovie Smith has been hoping he would see all season, and he hasn't seen it. I think, furthermore, Jay Cutler finally having a game that we expected him to have at the beginning of the season made one bad decision and threw an interception really if you think about it could have made three or four interceptions yesterday with a couple of batted balls and a couple of very close throws and so that might have really changed his night and really would have changed whether the bears won or lost but he played so much better and i think that you know what we saw from the bears yesterday was an effort that is necessary Week in and week out. And I don't think we saw that against Baltimore. I don't think we saw that earlier in the season against some of these other teams that the Bears got blown out by. And part of me thinks that even though there are these positives that I just pointed out to to think about, and that's good as a Bears fan, it makes me wonder why we didn't see those things in other weeks and why we didn't get the effort that we got last night in other weeks. Do we need Monday Night Football to bring the
1: best out of the Bears? Well, I, I don't know if it's a matter of effort. I, I think a lot of this is indicting to the coaching staff because why didn't they recognize that a Devin Aroma should do could actually add something to the receiving core?
0: Right. It, it's it, That was the other positive I didn't think of, but yes. Devin Aroma should do a huge, huge
1: positive. Right, I mean, but it's a, it's a negative towards the coaching staff. Right. It's a negative towards Jerry Angelo who's supposed to be in te- – well, Somewhat talent development and talent evaluation. Talent clown. He's supposed to to put together the roster, right? Do I think this team is a playoff team? No. Do I think they're good enough to make the playoff? Playoffs currently constituted? No. But I think we're seeing. So you're right. right. (laughs) Exactly. I think we're seeing some parts come, you you know, fall into place. It's not just Cutler. I think Aroma should do maybe part of the future plans. I think Chris Williams is looking more and more like the left tackle that the Bears hoped he would when they drafted him last year in the first first round can i so, can i quickly say one thing though how
0: funny was it yesterday when ron jaworski and john gruden first had to say aroma should do oh mike yeah Tirico, they mispronounced so many names mike, i was mike Tarico got it right mm-hmm. and to his credit he did it right well gruden also said Adana G instead of Adana right, yeah. J, which was kind of bad but who okay. blocked the
1: key extra point let's not overlook that right.
0: i mean you're only calling monday night football you might want to learn the names yeah. anyway but i, I okay it's Aroma Shadu seems like a hard name when you look at it, but it actually is pronounced phonetically. I mean, it is spelled as it is said, Aroma Shadu. It's not, you know, and so if you hear Tariko say it right, then you hear Jaws butcher it like three or four different ways. Arosha Madu or whatever he called him. And then Gruden, he's got the layup now because he's heard it right and wrong multiple times. He now knows what the correct one is. He still butchers it. So that was kind of a funny side note in the Monday Night Football. Yeah, podcast.
1: and I, it's it's funny because I was pointing that out as I was watching with people. That can these guys pronounce names? I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> Devin I, I and Israel Adonagy. It's like one time I heard I heard uh, Chris Berman mispronounce Olin Krutz's name. Like he said Olin Krutz or something like that. I'm like, this <laughs> this is one of the best centers of the decade, and I know he uh, he made the NFL's All-Decade Team, but I don't think he made a lot of the other ones, Sports Illustrated and whatnot. That's interesting. But it, it, it's. It's unbelievable to me how how some of these guys can't pronounce these names, because I I guess I have a good memory. I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, uh, 888-463-6748 is the phone number. 888-GO-FOR-IT is the phone number, the email address. Uh, Like I said the last time I was on Solo, I I don't have the password, so I can't take your emails because I don't know how to access the emails. If you'd like to email me or Seth, um, you can do so. We're actually on Facebook right now. If you go to... uh, my Facebook handle, Jordan Burnfield, you can send us little messages and I can read them on the air, but I, I don't have any way of getting your emails today, so Coach you're probably out of luck doesn't there.
1: want you to see what kind of emails he gets.
0: Yeah, I mean all those X rated emails the coach is getting and eh, I'm not sure that everybody wants to see those, but yeah. uh eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. And I think too that, you know, let's let's take a look at this quickly from the Vikings side of things. And that is that yes, they're eleven and four if they win next week and the Eagles lose, they could still get the number 2 seed in the NFC, which still puts them in a position to have a bye going into the playoffs, and their little streak of losing three out of four really becomes sort of inconsequential. But you're going into the playoffs not playing your best football, A. B, you really don't look like the same defensive line without Pat Williams in there. C, Adrian Peterson, among all players, not quarterbacks, has the most fumbles of any player in the National Football League lost. He has seven fumbles, six lost. And let me just say this. Adrian Peterson is a great player by reputation. He is a great player, period. But this year, he really hasn't been that good. He has been good in games and has been really bad in games. And to me, Adrian Peterson may be a liability. ...for the Minnesota Vikings in the playoffs... ...if you can't count on him to hold on to the football. Teams lose in the playoffs early because they turn the ball over. And if Adrian Peterson is going to be a liability in the playoffs... ...in terms of fumbling, I almost hesitate to give the ball to him. Furthermore, Seth, if I'm the Vikings... ...why do you have to rely on him so much anymore? You brought in Brett Favre for the reason of taking your team to the Super Bowl. If I were the Vikings last night... In that game, listen, you threw a pass to Peterson, obviously far less a chance that he's going to fumble that ball or have it stripped away by Hunter Hillenmeyer as it was, which caused the Bears to win the game. But... Why don't you just let Brett Favre do what Brett Favre uh, does and win you that game last
1: Because Brett Favre doing what Brett Favre does, he's going to throw interceptions too. But I think...
0: Brett Favre in that spot is one of the most clutch quarterbacks. He led the team on the game-tying drive with six seconds left on that beautiful throw to Sidney Rice. And to me, there are a few quarterbacks I'd rather have than Brett
1: Favre in overtri- overtime trying to win me a game. Well, I, you know, I you, you make a valid point. And obviously you brought in Brett Favre to do some of the things that a Tavares Jackson couldn't do because they had such can throw as well as Tavares but, Jackson, but when you at the same time bringing one guy in, and, and I think the Bears, this happened to the Bears a little bit, and I was afraid this would happen when they brought in Jay Cutler. You don't want to lose your lose your identity as a team, and, and Adrian Peterson really is the best running back in football. I, I still think so, despite his production. Part of the reason, part part of the the byproduct or product of his production or lack thereof is is a porous offensive line. That offensive line has played horrible in run blocking and pass blocking. So, I mean, I mean, the fumbles, obviously, that's not good. That's his fault. But part of the reason he hasn't had those 100-yard games is because the line isn't blocked for him.
0: The, the line hasn't been as good recently, but the line came into this season as one of the better lines in the National Football League, and I would argue is...
1: Don't play it on paper, man.
0: Well, but it but it was one of the best lines throughout the first 11 weeks of the year. They have started to play poorly, and that's one of the reasons why the Vikings have lost three out of the last four games. But to me, I can't give... Adrian Peterson have passed because of the line. Because for the most part this season, the line has been good. The line hasn't been good over the last three, four weeks. So you want to say... Peterson has struggled over the last three, four weeks because the offensive line hasn't been as good. I'll give you that. But I'm not giving you that for this season. Now, that said, Adrian Peterson is still third in the National Football League in rushing at 1,329 yards, which is good. It's a good season. It's not an outrageously good season. The outrageously good season is the one that Chris Johnson's having, where he's going to eclipse 2,000 yards next week as long as he gets 130 yards. But my point, though, is that I understand that Adrian Peterson was was the identity of this team. But who are we kidding ourselves, okay? Brett Favre is the identity of the Vikings now. They brought Brett Favre in to lead them to the Super Bowl. He is a Hall of Fame quarterback, regardless of the fact that he's 40 years old. For only two games this year has he played like a 40-year-old. For the rest of the games this year, he's played like a 25-year-old Pro Bowler, okay? So... Brett Favre is the identity of this football team now. It's not Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson is a great threat and a great complementary player to Brett Favre. But when you have the the quarterback, no, wait, I you don't.
1: Do, I, I don't think Adrian Peterson's a complementary player when you talk about the best running back in the league. But the but most this, talented. Well, but this
0: year he hasn't been the best running back in the league, even though he's been a good running back. And yes, he is a complementary player to Brett Favre in this offense. If you didn't have Brett Favre on this team, they would not be eleven and four. Brett Favre has made has made receivers out of Percy Harvin and Sidney Rice at guys that we didn't know anything about coming into this year. Harvin's obviously a rookie, but my point is is that coming into the year, we knew that the Vikings had talent on the offensive side of the ball. We didn't know that these receivers were that good. Brett Favre has made these receivers a lot better. And to me, Brett Favre is the offense. Adrian Peterson is the number two. I mean, I don't even think it's you, even close at this point. I,
1: right I, I, but... but. Super Bowl winning teams run the ball in the playoffs, and I think great teams run the ball. And don't forget, but do, but, you have a Chester, you have Chester Taylor back. I mean, this is true. a quality running team. Chester Taylor was a 1,200 yard guy.
0: Uh, well, Listen, I'm not trying to slam Adrian Peterson; he's still a really good player. But to me, it I, I think the whole running the football thing is a little overrated. The St. Louis Rams, when they won the Super Bowl, yes, Falk was a great runner, but they were a great passing team too. And the and the Patriots teams that won Super Bowls, never really had a really good running back. They were brilliant passing offenses. So, to me, you can win a Super Bowl without having a brilliant runner. Even the Colts, when they won the Super Bowl over the Bears in 06, had Peyton Manning. I'm and, not and, saying and brilliant is run- a good running back, but they weren't running the football to the Super Bowl. But, but those
1: are all teams that can run the ball well and run the ball when needed. Because but the, part the, of the running ball is you control the clock. You give your defense a breather. I mean, it, it, no, in no other do sport that. can an offense... Dictate on defense, and I think running the ball is 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 germane to that. It's so important to that.
0: But You're right, but but my, my but my point is, the Vikings can do that. They can run the ball because Peterson can run the ball. But but what I'm saying is, if you have a guy that's fumbling the ball a lot, and that's what Peterson has done, it makes me wonder if I'm Brad Childress, whether how how much I go to Peterson in big spots in a playoff game because Brett Favre is going to throw picks. We know that. Brett Favre has lost playoff games because he throws picks, but Brett Favre is a more proven commodity than Adrian Peterson. And Brett Favre has more weapons to utilize than does Adrian Peterson. So if I'm Brett, if I'm Brad Childress in a huge spot in a playoff game, I would hesitate to go to Peterson because he does, for all the good things he does, he fumbles a lot and too much.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, six fumbles lost is, is way too much. Of course, you're losing games because of it, obviously, as you yeah. pointed out. Last night's fumble that Hunter Hillenmayer recovered Nick Roach-Forced obviously led to the aroma should do touchdown catch. But when, if you look at the way the league's going, Jordan, and you mentioned Chris Johnson and Adrian Peterson, and you look at the way the Vikings are made up with Percy Harvin and even a Chester Taylor and Sidney Rice and the Eagles with Jeremy Macklin and um Deshaun Jackson, Jackson it's... It's going toward it, it's it's about big plays. It's about making big plays. Before five, six years ago, the league was sort of more methodical. And I mean, you'd set up those play actions and, and four and five yard runs are okay, but now they're looking for huge chunks. 50-yard gains, 25-yard gains, and it's about the fact that any time Percy Harvin touches the ball, he could take it to the house. It's about any time that Adrian Peterson touches the ball, he can make a big play for you. Or Deshaun Jackson or Jeremy Macklin. Or or a guy like a Pierre Thomas. I had to squeeze that in there. You, Viagrad.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, you had to plug
1: some Illinois football player. How's
0: Ron Zook doing down there for you? Yeah. Another fantastic year for the fighting (laughs) Illini. Anyway, continue.
1: But it's 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 about getting the ball into those guys' hands and it's it's not so much about necessar- necessarily quarterbacks making plays as much it's no, about right. them them getting those guys the ball so when you say Adrian Peterson has six inter as six, six fumbles. fumbles yeah that's 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 not a good thing that's terrible you're losing games because of it but the guy can Turn nothing into magic anytime he touches the ball. There's I mean, no, anytime no he touches the ball, he's a threat.
0: No, he he is. He's a great player, and there's a lot of great things about Adrian Peterson. But if I'm Brad Childress, I'm a little nervous about giving him the ball in a huge spot. 888 463 6748. It's time for us to take our first non commercial break on Two Guys and a Mic. I say commercials, but you're just about to hear music. But when we return, we will continue to break down the NFL. Anything you want to talk about. Bears-Vikings, something that happened over the weekend. Urban Meyer going on a vacation most likely. That's probably his only leave of absence. Maybe he'll take two weeks in Aruba and then decide I'm going to come back to my $5 million a year at Florida. We'll talk about anything you want from a jam-packed weekend in the world of sports. 888-463-6748. This is Two Guys in a Mic on TalkZone.com. Two guys in the mic, TalkZone.com, Jordan Burnfield, Seth Gruen with you as the coach is off and the big dog is floating somewhere above the orbit of, of the earth, most I'm, likely, because I haven't seen him in a long time. I'm,
1: I'm still wondering what the company line is. Are, are we in, well, we're obviously in for the coach. Yes. But are we in for the coach and the big dog? I would say just, we're probably... We're in for coach and guy.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah, that's probably fair. I, well, it is fair. I, I would say that we're in technically for the coach and the big dog. For all intents and purposes, we're in for coach and the rotating guest number two.
2: I've co-hosted more shows than the big dog has. Have you met, so bi- you met
1: the? You've met the big yeah. dog, right?
2: Oh yeah, he was here the first day.
1: Oh okay, has, yeah, hasn't that been about right.
2: Yeah, the first day.
1: He's on
0: a. He's on a. A very long hiatus from his new radio it's show. It's just
1: weird. You hear at the beginning, yeah, with your hosts, John, Co- the coach John Cohn and the Big Dog, Joe Redmonski. Well, it's like
0: last I- week when I did the show solo, I just came on after the open and I was like, nope, just yeah. me. Because Big Dog, no a stop. But... I- I- well, let's hope one day that uh, the big dog, with, with with all the things that he's doing, can find his way back to this lovely studio to grace your presence on TalkZone.com. Because I'm a big fan of the big dogs, and I would love to see him back. But you know, big dog is uh, he's constantly traveling around, doing things, living up to his name vicariously through Glenn Robinson, who's the original big dog. So you know, it's just that's what that's what he's got to do.
1: I guess so. He's he's a he's a jack of all trades.
0: I mean, really, to master one. I, I was going to say, if there's really somebody who has done so many different things in terms of job, in terms of experiences in their life, Joel Radwanski has had a very rich existence in terms of that. But uh, we've been talking Bears and Vikings. We'd love to hear from you, 888-463-6748 or 888-GO-FOR-IT if you prefer the uh, letters to the numbers. And uh, we, we've broken it down kind of from both sides of the coin here, and and Seth and I were talking during the commercial break, and and I want you to make the point that you were talking to me about because it's an interesting one in terms of I said that Brett Favre is the identity of the Vikings. You're not so sure. Well, I. D-
1: Look, he he's, he certainly is from a PR standpoint, and and he gets most of the press because he's Brett Favre and he's a future Hall of Famer and like you said, a great quarterback. And he's
0: ESPN's favorite player.
1: Right, but the the reality I'm, they're setting up offices in Hattiesburg, Mississippi.
0: They they, they might as well. Is that was is that where the third sports center location yeah. is going to be? They have the. Bristol, Bristol,
1: LA, and Hattiesburg. And
0: Hattiesburg. They're gonna have like Rachel Nichols on his lawn, just like reporting things. Well, Brett's been retired for five years, guys, but today he woke up, he had scrambled eggs for breakfast, he actually made a change, he put some oregano in those eggs, tried to get a little Italian seasoning in there, he's now going on to hunt boar, but sources are saying that later (laughs) this afternoon he might go for a swim with his kids. (laughs) We'll keep you in tune on that, on SportsCenter coming up at 6 (laughs) o'clock.
1: I, I, I even wrote that in one of my columns on Examiner. dot because, as I mentioned to you, I, I I blog about the Bears for them. But um, yeah, it's it's ESPN. Brett Favre sneezes; they want to know what kind of Kleenex he uses. You're absolutely right. But did he uh, use a Puffs
0: or a, or right. what what and, and was? And how many? It?
1: Does he have a cold? Oh my God! It might keep him out of two days next season.
0: What, was there menthol in those Kleenexes? Because that may have been very soothing on the nose as he as he
1: sneezes. Or was he having another good retirement cry? But anyways, oh, what God. I was say, what I was saying in the break is that. If the Vikings lose next week with Brett Favre they're only one game better. They are, but here's but here's here's where I will
0: um I mean it's not I can't really refute the fact, but here's where I will uh counterpoint with what you just said. And that is that there's no question whatever the record of the Vikings was, if they made the playoffs that they're a far more dangerous team with Brett than of course. without Brett. That's not even a question. I mean the thing is last year when the Vikings made the playoffs at 10 and 6, they won because, A, the rest of the division wasn't any good, and, B, when they went to the playoffs, nobody took them seriously. Because if Adrian Peterson didn't rush for 170 yards, you kind of knew that they weren't going anywhere well, but, because Tavares Jackson's not winning you a uh, playoff uh, game. No,
1: you're right. Look, he, he makes them a better team, no question.
0: He makes them not a better team, a way yeah.
1: better team. The, d- the division was terrible last year, too. But you also it's, it is about wins and losses.
0: It is, but but the wins and losses in the playoffs. I mean, as long as they're there, which they already are. They've already won the NFC North. It's not about wins and losses anymore until it gets to the playoffs. You know what I mean? They won their division. If they win next week, they get the two-seed, but whether they have the two-seed or the three-seed, I mean, I think Viking fans would be a little disappointed if they get the three-seed considering how they started the year.
1: Well, the buy is huge.
0: Right, right. the buy is huge, but but my point, though, is whether you're the two or the three, whether you have the buy or you don't have the buy, it doesn't matter if you're a Vikings fan unless they win or don't win in the playoffs. That's what matters. You brought Brett in for this spot. You didn't bring him in to be the two-seed or the three-seed or whatever seed. You brought him in to win, period. If they win in the postseason, that's what matters, so... To say wins and losses, you're right in a sense, but you're wrong in the sense that it's not about wins and losses once you've gotten to make the playoffs. Now it's about whether he wins or loses in the playoffs because they knew that Jackson wasn't winning there for them.
1: Look, you're absolutely right, but you you would want to see them win games that maybe they ordinarily wouldn't I can't look at at their record and the games they've played and, and said that you know, Brett Favre being there has won games that they wouldn't have won last year. Last night, had they won, I could have said that. I would have said Brett Favre won them that game. Yeah, but the fact of the matter is they didn't. And as you said, they didn't put the ball in his hands for whatever reason. But I don't really think he's gone out and won them game. He, he won them games. He may 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 have tangibly made them better, but I don't think it's shown up in the win loss record yet
0: oh well i don't agree I think that the i mean the Vikings started the season what twelve and one or eleven and one or whatever it was i mean they they were a Listen, they. I know that they've gone on some recent hard times, and they're 11 and four. How do you but, know
1: Sage? Ro, I mean, Sage Rosenfels was an upgrade.
0: Re, Sage Rosenfels would never have led them to 11 and one. Not but no. You don't know. Not way. with those
1: pieces around him. You I, don't, don't.
0: I don't care because Brett Favre has made players better than they would be with an average quarterback. We didn't know what Percy Harvin was going into the season. I we think, knew yeah, he was a really I good think, player at Florida. We didn't know he'd be a Pro Bowler, and Brett Favre is probably the reason that he is a Pro Bowler. Because here's the thing: you can have all the pieces around a guy. You need a quarterback that can distribute to all those pieces. That is a good quarterback, and yes, Brett Favre has great pieces. But Brett Favre is still a phenomenal NFL quarterback. I mean, other than Brees and Manning and Brady, Favre is probably the next guy. So- I mean maybe Philip Rivers is having a fantastic year too but my point is is that he's right there and so yes there are pieces but you cannot tell me that if Sage Rosenfels was quarterback this team would have started 11 and 1 when they got Brett Favre Their identity changed. They realized that they were a team that could go to the Super Bowl and win. Of course. And when Tavares Jackson was the quarterback, or when Sage Rosenfels was supposed to be the quarterback, that team did not believe they were that good. See,
1: I disagree. The whole point of getting Sage Rosenfels, they traded for him because they thought he was the missing piece. No, they
0: traded for him because there wasn't anybody else at the time. They traded for him because they didn't think that they could do much better, and that they knew that Sage Rosenfels is better than Jackson, but you can't tell me they thought that Sage Rosenfels was a a legitimate player, a legitimate quarterback that could take them to the Super Bowl. All they thought when they traded for him was he's better than Tavares Jackson and he might help us win a playoff game. Nobody in that Viking locker room could have thought they were winning the Super Bowl or getting to the Super Bowl with Rosenfield.
1: Yeah, but I, th- I think uh, I totally disagree because I think he's a very capable quarterback. I think he's a I think he's a bona fide starter in this league. Is he Brett Favre? No. A bona fide starter? Is he, I mean, where is he Tom is he Brady? been a good no. starter in the NFL? Where well, he are... hasn't. He didn't get the opportunity in Houston. Right, but I mean, but... And, but when he played, when he started, he did well. He did okay, and that's why they traded for him, and that's why Houston wanted to unload him. They, he did okay. Listen, you,
0: the Vikings knew that Sage Rosenfeld wasn't adequate because they traded for him, and then they acquired Brett Favre. No, they, they knew, knew Brett Favre was better. No, they knew, but if they believed. In Sage Rosenfels, Brett Favre would not be on the
1: Vikings. It, it wasn't a matter of believing. If they didn't believe in him, they wouldn't have made the trade. They would have stayed with Tavares no, Jackson. The, uh, it's not an issue of believing, it was an issue of getting better at the position. No, they, got, they, they even said, We have a chance to get Brett Favre. That, I mean, that, that's that that's an upgrade. I'm not arguing that. All I'm saying is that Sage Rosenfels may have been that guy. No I mean, do you, do you look at Brett Favre and say, this guy is, is is an accurate quarterback. He's not going to make mistakes. No, I look at Brett Favre Brett Favre, Favre hasn't made Brett, very Brett, few mistakes Brett, this year. Well, he's Brett, been great. But Brett Favre is a playmaker at the position. I don't think he's he's necessarily one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. I mean, I think you could take a, a very mediocre quarterback and, and say he's just as accurate as no, Brett Favre. I don't
0: Favre. agree. I think Brett Favre is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. I think Brett Favre throws interceptions because he's too overconfident in his abilities. Yeah, but look, look at his completion
1: correct. percentage, too, over his career. He, he hasn't His thing hasn't been accuracy. He hasn't professed accuracy. He's more a playmaker but unto he,
0: himself. You're right, but he is one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league, and I think to put him in the category of average, I think, is slighting him. I think he is, listen... I,
1: I didn't say he was average. No, I said, you're,
0: I, you're, you're right in terms of the fact that he is a guy who, you know, the, the Vikings knew that they could get better, so they got Brett Favre. Where I completely disagree is that they believed that Sage Rosenfels was there was a quarterback that could take them where Brett Favre has taken them. When they brought Brett Favre Where has Brett in, Favre taken them? We don't know yet, but right. Brett Favre has made them a factor. And he, they would not be a factor with Sage Rosenfels. If they were going to the playoffs with Sage Rosenfels, you cannot sit here and tell me that if he was the quarterback of this team, heading into the playoffs, all things being equal, that you would fear the Vikings in a playoff game. No way you can tell me
1: that. If but Brett you don't Favre, know, because Sage Rosenfels you d- you hasn't had know. his chance. Look at Matt Castle. There's so many quarterbacks Matt come Castle's out of the woodwork. Not, and,
0: but Matt Castle's not a feared quarterback. And Matt Castle he, was did, good last year on in a system where he could flourish. And Matt same Castle, with Brett Favre. Brett Favre is in a system, but Brett Favre has flourished in every system. He's a Hall of Fame player. He didn't flourish last year. He, did until he sucked
1: he, at the end of the year. Well,
0: but he was good until the That's last what, five games of the year when he was playing hurt. I'm not making excuses for him. He did not play well. He threw nine picks in the last five games. But Brett Favre still overall had a pretty good season for them. And then it turns out that the guy had a serious shoulder injury, which was affecting his throws. Brett Favre is not comparable to Sage Rosenfels. He's I, not, I'm not comparable I'm not to saying these that. Other guys.
1: All I'm saying, I'm not saying that, all I'm saying is that the Vikings traded for Sage Rosenfels before uh, the the possibility of Brett Favre you know ever entered the offices in Minneapolis they traded for Sage Rosenfels to make them a better team they were a better team once they traded for Sage Rosenfels bringing Brett Favre in was an upgrade was a
0: huge it, it wasn't, upgrade. It, wasn't, it was an identity change. It was a franchise change. It was an It was an epic change. Well,
1: I, I don't know if it's a franchise change because who knows how long he'll be around. It doesn't matter. He signed a two-year it deal. It doesn't
0: matter. They brought this guy in to be the horse that he has been for them this year, to be that bona fide quarterback that can lead them to a Super Bowl. 888-463-6748 is the phone number. 888-GO-FOR-IT. Is the uh, way you can call us if you don't want to remember the numbers. And I think that because of our our little uh, disagreement here on Brett Favre, we're starting to get uh, the callers to come in. Let's go to Ken in Scranton. You're on two guys in the mic. What's up, Ken?
2: Hey, Jordan. Enjoy the show.
0: Thank you. What's up? I got up? a
2: question. I wanted, if if you haven't touched on it already, I wanted to ask you a question about the uh, the Colts not playing their starters.
0: Right. Okay. Go ahead.
2: Uh, has anybody even talked about the fact that there's a way around the playing the first half and not playing the second half that would satisfy everybody? For instance, Manning stays in the game, all your starters stay in the game when you got the lead, then you can put in your your second string, maybe third quarter. Lose they, they, the lead. They did that. Lose the lead. Lose the lead, put Manning back in.
0: Yeah, you know what? So, I I think you're you, right in that sense because I think that they oh, should have Oh, would
1: put Okay. I
0: yeah, I, I think they should have put Manning back in the game. To me, oh, well, Ken, let me ask you this first. Do you think that if you were Jim Caldwell and you were the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, is there any way that you would have done what he did and take Manning out of the game and risk losing and risk history?
2: No, not when history's at stake. Right. If you figure Manning's going to play maybe 20 snaps the whole game, why do they all have to be in the first half? Why can't you play Ten, get his touchdown early on. See if you can milk the lead. He's going to play ten more snaps in the second half. If you're going to if you're going to get hurt, you're just as likely to get hurt on the first play as you are the last play. That's of the game. that's
1: true. But Ken, I think part of the the whole point of playing him, and in particular on the offensive side of the ball, and you heard the Colts say that was for them to establish some sort of rhythm. Now I think it's terrible mm-hmm. that they didn't play. I agree. Um, I think I, it's a look, joke. I, I think it, hindsight's twenty twenty. And had Peyton Manning gotten hurt. Jim Caldwell, you know, would have been thrown on, thrown under the bus and people would have said, what, what the hell is he doing and all that other stuff. But. Peyton Manning though has what is, is he started? P- 200 straight reasons, games? Part of the reason I don't like this, um, you know, this, this not playing players or resting players once you've clinched is don't forget you have a bye week, um, once, when, when you've clin- clinched home field advantage throughout. So you actually have two weeks before the next playoff right. game That's to heal up. Yeah. And I, I, from a philosophical standpoint, if, I, if I'm waxing philosophical on you for a second, so much of sports is about chasing history and records. I feel, yeah. And 16 and 0 is a great accomplishment, and to be able to run the table through the through the Super Bowl is is something that that only one team has done. So I think chasing history is a huge part of sports. So people win Super Bowls every year, and I'm not saying that's not the goal. And 16 and 0 is meaningless if you don't win the Super Bowl. That's right. No, you're you're right. But, but and, and, and competitors should want to win every week.
0: You're right. And thanks for the call, Ken. We appreciate it. It's just, to me, it's like, why... Okay. If you... you By losing this game, you have effectively killed some of the momentum that you have going into the playoffs. You have ended the perfect season. You have ended the whole buzz of what was going good with the Indianapolis Colts. And I think, to, to be honest with you, and this is something that I haven't heard much of, and, and Ken just made me think of it, so I appreciate that, is that... I think that the the Colts have put more pressure on themselves because now you have to win the Super Bowl because you you ended your chance in history for right now. So now, if you don't win the Super Bowl, then you a blew history and b didn't win the Super Bowl. So then that sitting those guys in that game was a forfeit. Mm I mean that's what that's what it becomes if if you don't win the Super Bowl now then your decision has cost your team not only a chance at the championship, but has cost your team a chance at history. And to me, listen, players get hurt in the NFL. I understand that there's a risk. I understand that there's an inherent problem with late in the season, teams having to worry about whether they can play guys and whether they can't play guys because of what potential risks may follow from that. But here's my point. If you're the Indianapolis Colts, you have a chance to be sixteen and zero. My opinion, you have to go for it because of the historic value of it. Yeah, I and agree. And if you go for nineteen, if you're the only team to go nineteen and zero, if nothing else, you'd finally shut up those annoying ass seventy two yeah, was... Dolphins that cannot stop with their champagne and their crap. That would end, and a lot of people would be very happy to see that. But furthermore, it's just it's it's also changing the playoff picture. You are changing the integrity of football when you are basically forfeiting a game, and now allowing the New York Jets, who their coach, Rex Ryan, said two weeks ago that they were dead, and now they can make the playoffs because the Colts didn't try to win that game. It's just, I agree with what Ken said, too, is that Peyton Manning, If once they fell behind, he should have gone right back into the game to try to win that thing, because you owe it to your fans. And you yes, you owe it to your fans to try to win the ultimate thing. I understand that, winning the Super Bowl, yada, 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 that's the most important thing, but what nobody seems to think is that they didn't put more pressure on themselves i think they would put more pressure on themselves than they would have if they were 15 and 0 right now.
1: I, I think these these guys put enough pressure on themselves in, in internally to win the super bowl yeah full disclosure mercury morris is is on my list of sports people and fan, and, and teams that i can't stand Ugh. so just like you i'd love to see them break the record but more importantly is these aren't life altering sort of decisions and i realize There are job concerns, and Jim Caldwell was like, well, if Peyton Manning got hurt or one of my key guys got hurt, I'd be criticizing him. Peyton Manning, though, is probably
0: right. But he's one of the most durable. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not saying that he couldn't get hurt. Obviously, by being in there, there's a chance he could get hurt. You could tear an ACL at any time. Right, but you could get hurt any time. Peyton Manning has proven to be the most durable quarterback in the league, second to Brett Favre. I mean, he has the longest games played streak in the league. No, I understand
1: that. To Brett Favre. Uh, I don't really subscribe to the you can get hurt anytime argument because getting hurt in a game that matters and getting hurt in a game that doesn't matter matter are, are two separate things but as i said you're cheating history and we, we sports are about chasing records in history as much as they are about chasing championships 40 years from now nobody's going to remember who won the two thousand nine or 2010 whatever super yeah, bowl yeah they would remember if the colts ran the table
0: Right, I agree. I mean, when you have a chance in history... Who who won the Super Bowl in 1971? I don't know. And furthermore, let me say... But who won it
1: in 72?
0: The Dolphins. Dolphins, Right, but let me say one other thing, and then we're going to take a break. The one other thing on this is that Peyton Manning, I think, selfishly too, and I think he would not admit this, but I think in his heart of hearts, he wishes this. Tom Brady gets a lot of credit for the Super Bowls that he's won, and for going 16-0, and for getting to a Super Bowl and with a chance to be the only 16-0 undefeated team in the history of the NFL. Are you going to sit here and tell me, is anybody going to sit here and tell me, that Peyton Manning doesn't feel like he really wanted that just to have another leg up on Tom Brady? Peyton's won one Super Bowl. Peyton's numbers in his career are better. But Tom Brady, in many circles, is considered the better quarterback because of the Super Bowls he's won. If Not Peyton nine. Manning... Well, I'm not saying I yeah. agree with it. I'm telling you what I think is the perception. And furthermore, if Peyton Manning had gone 16-0 and and had won the Super Bowl as a 19-0 and quarterback, that is something that no one would have ever been able to take from him in terms of his legacy going forward in the NFL. And I think that that would have really changed... The national perception between Brady and Manning, where it's been a toss-up for years, I think Peyton Manning would have vaulted right to the top, even though he's won one less Super Bowl, and I think that matters to Peyton Manning. 888 You, 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 you want to know what's
1: amazing about Peyton Manning? It's yeah. like if you have Chris Johnson or Adrian Peterson on your fantasy team, most likely you're going to go to the fantasy playoffs. Yeah. Peyton Manning is like an automatic ticket to the playoffs. I got news for no you. Matter what I had happen. Peyton Manning,
0: and I didn't make it.
1: Not, not in fantasy. Oh. I'm saying in real life. Oh, okay. In fantasy, I didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's unbelievable the yeah, streak. because especially in yeah. the NFL when year to year th- things don't things don't carry over like right. that. Yeah. Teams um, just because a team made the playoffs one year doesn't mean they make it the next. Right. Year I mean, look at the Steelers; so they may not factors. make it. I mean, the Steelers yeah, won Super the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Champs. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's amazing to me. Yeah. That one player like that affects a football team so much when so many different things happen. I mean, last year. The Jeff Saturday injury. That's right. That's huge. That's a huge part of their offensive line. Joseph Adai was bad. And this you know, you had Marvin Harrison dropping off and he's not on the team this year. Right. I listen. But he's still I mean, look at Austin Colley, he's made good. You right. talk, you talk about qu- you talk about a quarterback who makes receivers look good. Yeah. Look no further than number eighteen listen, in Indiana. He's athletes.
0: one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game, and in my lifetime, I'm young, I know, but Peyton Manning Probably the best quarterback I've seen. I mean, you could—it's Manning, Favre, and and Brady. The three quarterbacks in my lifetime that I've ever seen. Let's take a quick time out. But when we return, we'll continue to talk NFL. We'll also probably get into this Urban Meyer stuff, which was just such a weird story over the weekend. This is two guys in the mic on TalkZone.com. MikeTalkZone.com, Jordan Burnfield and Seth Gruen in for the coach and the dog. JB and Seth taking your calls 888-463-6748. We've been heavy on the NFL. I want to switch to a minute though for, uh, to some college football and that is where we saw this story over the weekend on this Residue Tuesday, as coach would say, that Urban Meyer, it comes out on what was it, uh, Saturday night that Meyer is now gonna leave Florida. He's gonna resign from the program, citing health reasons, which seem to have been fairly, uh, vague in terms of what the health problems exactly were. But due to stress in his job, chest he was pain. having chest pains and, you know, just wasn't feeling good. And then he was gonna resign. And then we wake up the next morning to the news that Urban is not resigning. He is going to take a leave of absence, and then he goes to his press conference. Which was they on the ab-
1: table. They, they, it was reported that that was on the table and he decided to resign. Let's make that very right, clear. Right,
0: right. And so then he decides that he'd rather take this leave of absence, and then he has a press conference, and he decides, well, I'll probably just take a couple weeks off, and I'll be back to coaching at Florida next year. But it was a wild story over the weekend. I have a bunch of thoughts on it, but let's get some thoughts from our callers. First, we have Tim on the line checking in here on the thetalkzone.com. Tim, what's up?
3: Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing good. Uh, This Urban Meyer thing, I mean, from my standpoint, all it is is just a recruiting ploy. I think that they realized when he said he was going to be stepping down that they, you know, so close to National Signing Day, they were going to lose all their top recruits that they had lined up. Uh, Florida State's had a a great recruiting uh, time here since Bobby Bowden stepped down. Uh, A lot of the prospects that Florida was looking at were also guys that Florida State was looking at, and I think they were a little worried that Florida State was going to come in and grab some of those guys, along with Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama all these guys that they had lined up. And I think that the only way that they thought they could hold on to these guys, at least through National Signing Day, was for Urban Meyer to come in and say that he was going to maybe return next year or at at least the year after.
1: So basically you're saying you you don't think he's going to return.
3: I'm not sure if he is or not. I mean, uh, you've heard various rumors of, you know, different potential health things that are wrong with him. Um, And then he came out with a statement the day before that he needed to spend more time with his family, and his family seemed pretty excited about that. And then all of a sudden the next day everything changed. To me it just seems like... The the upper people at Florida maybe put a little pressure on him to say, you know what, we need you to stick around, or at least give the you know the idea that you might stick around, so we can hold this you know top recruiting class together. Because I believe that they're losing twenty three or twenty four seniors after this year, so they know they need an influx of young talent coming in, and a host of uh,
1: juniors on defense too. Carlos exactly. Dunlap.
3: Exactly. So I, I think it might have been a little pressure from you know on top for him to at least give the illusion that he might stay or might come back at a future date just to keep this uh, recruiting class together. You know, Tim,
0: I, I think it's a really interesting point that you make, and, and I want to keep you on for a second because I think that here's here's my question, though, and, and I think you bring up a great point. But and I if I'm a recruit right now, okay, and then Urban Meyer says he's coming back, so then now I sign with Florida, let's say two months from now Urban Meyer then really decides he's going to leave. He's not going to be back next season. Right. Do you, don't do you think then that the recruit might say to himself, well, screw this, I'm out of here, I'm just going to transfer and I'll take a year off and I'll go play at Florida State next year, right? I mean, yeah, do you, you don't, don't have, you think it might prolong the process you and you have the have same inevitability of, would happen?
3: There's a hesitation of a lot of guys to do that and lose a year of eligibility, especially guys that are looking to come out early. They know that that way they'll probably have to you know, stay through their senior years anyway, and yeah. be a little delayed coming out to the in NFL. Football, yeah. And if you look at the guys that Florida is looking at, these are guys that want to be in the NFL eventually anyway. So I think a lot of those top guys are hesitant to to make the transfer unless that, you know, they know for sure they're not going to get playing time. And I think if you just looked at the press conference, he just he looked completely befuddled and unprepared for that whole thing. And like. He was still confused at that time exactly what was going on. The whole situation just seemed odd to
1: me. Yeah, Tim, thanks for the call. My only only hesitation to agree with that is that it happened in such a quick time frame. On top of the fact that that deal was on the table already, I mean, when he came to them initially and said, I I want to resign, don't you think they would have said and and put the pressure on then, we really need you to stay, we really need you to stay? Well, here's the thing. Yeah,
0: but I I think that, If you're Florida and you've got Urban Meyer, it's almost in in this situation. It's almost like if you think that there's a chance he's coming back, and and that this decision that he's making is in haste, and that he doesn't really want to leave, and all that stuff, you're almost he's almost you're almost in a hostage situation because you can't do better than him. So you kind of have to cater to whatever he wants to do. You know what I'm saying? Because if you if you don't have him, whoever you hire is not going to be as good as Urban Meyer. I think it's pretty safe to say that. Unless you were to bring Bob Stoops, but in or you know what? Like you know,
1: it's 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 you bring up a point that I thought of immediately, and it's very applicable to everything that's going on in sports. You look at the Brett Favre situation, Michael Jordan's numerous returns. As fans, we empower that. We empower an Urban Meyer to vacillate between whether or not he wants to resign completely and retire from coaching, or sort of take a break. But I think we do. but I Another think- Ur- Urban Meyer will come along. Well, but and just just as another Michael Jordan came along and LeBron James. Oh God!
0: Don't even get me started on that, please. I don't. I don't. Okay. Well, I mean, Le- I'm not
1: going down that road with
0: you right now. But the fact that you just said another Michael Jordan has come along with LeBron James made me just like barf in my mouth a little bit. Okay. I,
1: LeBron James may end up being. A better player. He's not even.
0: First of all, he's not even close. I, I don't. I want agree
1: because he hasn't won the championships. But I don't even want to get is, into that. I'm not going empower, down that road yet. We empower great athletes and coaches to control these situations and to vacillate between them. But
0: but I think because I think that as, more than that though, I think they empower themselves. I mean, listen, when you're the best at something, and no one can replace your value, you have empowered yourself. You are the most valuable commodity course. out there. I mean, put it this way, okay. Is Urban
1: Meyer, though, any better coach than Bob Stoops or Pete Carroll?
0: uh, Yes, I think he is. I think Urban Meyer is the best college football coach in America. There is no college football coach, in my opinion, that is better than Urban Meyer. I don't even think it's a question. In five years at Florida, he's won two national championships. Had it not been for that loss to Alabama, they may have been playing for their third national championship in five years. I'm not
1: saying he's he's not great. That,
0: to me, is an out... Listen, for all that Bob Stoops has done, and he's had a fantastic career, at Oklahoma. Outstanding career at Oklahoma. But They have lost a lot of big games at Oklahoma, too. I mean, they've won the national championship, but they've also had plenty of problems in big games where they completely gag or don't even show up in a national title game. Remember when they got to that game against USC and lost 55-14? and I mean, those are games that are also on Bob Stoops, and I'm not saying, listen, I just also said that Bob Stoops is probably the second best (laughs) football coach in the country, so I'm not taking anything away from Bob Stoops, but Urban Meyer, to me, is the... Number one guy, and you know from at least if, if, if Notre Dame has any cachet, okay? Mm-hmm. We know that Notre Dame tried to get Urban Meyer, they couldn't get him. We know they tried to get Bob Stoops, he wanted a bunch of academic exceptions, couldn't get him. We know that, you know, that, that Notre Dame went out to try to get some of the top coaches in the country to bring them in. My guess is if Urban Meyer were to actually leave Florida, that they would probably struggle to replace him with a with a coach of his caliber. Would Bob Stoops leave Oklahoma to go coach at Florida? Maybe I don't know, but my point is is that the 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 likelihood of Florida bringing in a equivalent coach to Urban Meyer is so low, in my opinion, that you know that Urban Meyer has empowered himself to do whatever he needs to do to do whatever he wants to do, frankly, because. He knows and they know they can't do better than him right now. Look, they I th- can't. I, I think
1: you talk about whether or not we should imp it's the best thing for the university to allow him to take this break. If right. he, he wants take to your, the take the break in two weeks, return, go to
0: Aruba, yeah, and and clear f- your figure head, it come out, back.
1: Figure it out. Figure it out and figure out a way to maybe delegate more responsibility you know to he some should of your go, assistants.
0: He should go to Maui because I've been there, it's a beautiful place, it's a relaxing place. Hang loose. Everybody has a great time. Everybody's relaxed. He can sit on the Khanpali beach and reflect and look at and not even think about work while the rest of his coaches do that. I guarantee you he'll come back and say, "Boys, I'm ready to go. Let's play some football." Maybe
1: this opportunity, maybe Steve Adazio taking over, who's been up for several head coaching jobs, including the one at your alma mater. I, I he's, maybe, he's been up for if, he was up for the Syracuse job. Yeah,
0: really? I don't remember that.
1: Okay, if Oh, well, we got Doug Marone. If, here we if, come. If if. if, if. If he proves capable, maybe Meyer feels more comfortable delegating some recruiting spo- responsibilities or, or offensive game planning. I don't know, to Adazio. Yeah, but I, I think I'm not saying I, I agree. I think Urban Meyer is the best coach in the country. Best coach in the country. But I don't think by as much as you're professing.
0: I, I just think the five-year because, run that he's had, well, they've yeah, won that, like
1: 86 percent of their games. That's the key. You're looking at a five-year window. Take a five-year window out of Bob Stoops' career at Oklahoma. I listen. I'm not saying take a five-year window right. out of Pete Carroll's career oh, yeah. at USC. Absolutely. So I, I think I think the jury is still out. I mean, a lot of people were speculating that Meyer wanted to leave, and I don't think this is true. But because they were losing so much and Florida wasn't going to be as good, they were vulnerable next year. Oh so let's God. see. I, I mean, when you look at Oklahoma and USC, they're 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 always in the national championship conversation, just as Florida is. Right. I mean, I mean he had Tim Tebow, probably the best college football player of of definitely this decade, maybe of all
0: time. Right. I mean, you're right. Listen, the five-year run is a a good point. I mean, if you took a Mm five-year run from Stoops, took a five-year run from Carroll, all these guys are right around the same place. I just think Urban Meyer is the number one guy because of the success that he had at Bowling Green, the success that he had at Utah, I mean, at small programs, too. I mean, Pete Carroll was a great coach at the NFL level, then came to USC and and flourished as a great college coach. And Bob Stoops has been great everywhere he's been, too. I'm, listen.
1: So what about spi- Chris Peterson at Boise State? You're,
0: you're splitting hairs. I, would, I, would, I think you can't put him there until you see him coach at an even bigger program. I think what Chris Peterson is benefiting from, not that he's not a great coach. Mm-hmm. I really think he is a great coach. But when you're the best team in the WAC, you can continue to be the best team in the well, WAC. You get the best recruits. make right. yeah. You can novelty. You can get the best recruits. Every good player out there is going to want to go to Boise State because you have a good chance to win. Right. So I think that the recruiting sells itself now
1: at Boise oh, he, State. he's getting he's getting five star. He's getting he's getting some five star right. recruits. They they become a novelty. They're like the uh, they're the Gonzaga of college right. football. Right. Exactly. That, that, Mark, I, I completely can agree with that.
0: Recruit itself.
1: But, I do, but here's the one
0: point I wanted to make though, and and, I, and this was in David Hawes' column in the Chicago Tribune recently was this whole idea of could the NCAA regulate the number of hours coaches can spend in their office working, and whether that might benefit somebody like an Urban Meyer or whether that might benefit any of these coaches who work 24 hours a day, seven days a week as a college football coach. Well,
1: maybe... Why should they, why should they regulate uh, how much time a college football coach works and not, not a factory worker who wants to work overtime to make more money? Right.
0: Health, health purposes. I mean, you,
1: you can't tell somebody how hard to work. Right. I mean, they, they, to, that, that would never happen, and I think that's absurd. Well,
0: to me... I think you bring up a valid point. To me, though, it's it's okay when you get when you pay these guys a ton of money to be your college football coach. This is part of the territory, right? They know that their job is to be, you know, constantly working, BlackBerry always going, et cetera. It's not just recruiting, coaching, winning. You're right, but to win, you have to do all this all this stuff. The NCAA regulates so much as it is. Would it be? Is it that wrong if they were to say that coaches had to, that could only spend X number of hours within their office? I mean, listen, these guys are going to work out of the office, but just as some kind of regulation that might be able to relieve a little of the pressure on these guys, to me, if, listen, they can work as hard as they want ultimately, but I think that it wouldn't be the worst thing if the, if the NCAA set some kind of relaxed type of regulation just to send the message out there that these guys can have some semblance of a life. You know what I mean? That that there is some limit, there could be some boundary to what they're doing because as much as these guys get paid and as much as they've signed up for this, it is a really tough life. And, and I can sympathize with somebody who is stressed for how much work they constantly oh, yeah, have yeah, to do. I, we I, all can. I, we I all think, do.
1: I think college football coaches deserve to get paid what they get paid. Yeah. Uh, more so for the hours they work than for the revenue the the insane amount of revenue they bring into their universities,
0: yeah, well, but uh, i I would love to keep talking about this, but unfortunately, we are running out of the running out of time. Thank you so much for joining us here on the talk zone today, Seth fun working oh, with you again fun. yeah and uh great I will, radio it, well i i hope so maybe some semblance of radio that was something near great either way i will be in tomorrow so tune in this is two guys and a mic we'll see you tomorrow on the talk take care